Good morning. We are super happy to be here, and I'm so glad that Glenn noticed my husband because he does. He kind of just like comes in and out, and um, I always get sort of the stage. But he, I could not, I could not do what I do without Rich. And actually, Rich has a very, very strong prophetic ministry on him. So, yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. I um, I am very, very privileged and honored in my role as the regional overseer to get to visit churches and see what God is doing. And I'm, I love our tribe. We just had a weekend a conference with Ellie Mumford and Jeff Heidkamp. And Ellie and John Mumford um, head up Vineyard International because there's different vineyards throughout um, the world with national directors. And so they lead that team. And just to hear the stories of our tribe and our family, like I, I am so grateful to be a part of this. Ellie calls it the lunatic fringe of the body of Christ. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> I don't mind being part of the lunatic fringe because I'm kind of a lunatic, so it suits me. Um, let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we love you so much. We worship you this morning, Lord, and just in that beautiful time of worship, thank you for the way you came and just were so, so beautifully sweet in our, in our midst, Lord. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you now just grace our hearts to hear whatever it is through this little time that we have together that you want to impart. Um, grace us to receive. Grace me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I had this whole message prepared until I woke up this morning, <laughs> and I just I was talking with Rich, and I'm going over it with him, and I just said, I don't know. I, I actually feel like I really just want to preach from Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have a, a message Bible or a device that you can pull up Ephesians chapter 1 in the message, that's what I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use as the text this morning. I love this chapter, and I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it in the message because I love the church. I love the church. And as we all well know, in the United States today, there's not a lot of good news in some corners about the church. We're hearing about the nuns and the duns and the hemorrhaging of people leaving the, ch the church. And, um, and sometimes it just gets flat out depressing. This morning, uh, another, a, a church in Seattle not far from us, um, I saw on Facebook that they're, the pastor's resigning and they're closing the church after seven years because they just can't, it's not sustainable. And I, when I just read that again, it just sort of reinforced to me why I want to preach from Ephesians chapter one. Now, Paul begins this letter to the Ephesian church and all of chapter one is literally like one big long sentence. It's like he doesn't even take a breath. He has so much to say. In the Greek, it's just a big run on sentences. So I want to just go through that because I think it's encouraging. I know it encourages my heart. I read this all the time. Now, part of what we're going to read about is the fact that in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is trying to give the church at Ephesus um, the sort of 30-foot um, view of what God is up to in the earth. And, and, and he's trying, I think he's trying to give us this 30-foot view of what's going on 30,000, thank you, 30,000 view. Again, I'm only six months past my little heart situation that some of you might know this, but I, I ended up in heart failure 
in April. And actually, it's not a little condition. It's a very serious condition. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because ever since then, I've sort of lost my mind. Um, and they're telling me it will come back, but my brain was definitely affected by my heart failure. And I'm just now six months post that. And um, the cardiologists are telling me now is my, my, my system is recirculating and some of my brain cells are going to open up. So sometimes I have a hard time with words and memory, which has been a very humbling thing for me. So just bear with me if I lose words, but Rich is here to help me find them. <laughs> 30,000 foot view of what God is up to. And so he, Paul gives this 30,000 foot view, but then he also talk, in this passage, we'll talk about how God sees us and knows us, each one of us. He knows this church, this congregation, and he sees and he knows. Now, um, because of my heart failure and some other things that have happened in my life, life in the last 18 months, um, I've just gone through a lot of loss, a lot of loss. And I won't, uh, that's not my story today, but just to give you the backstory, um, just, a, just a lot of loss in the last 18 months, not at, sort of ending with the loss of my health, my, my brain function and all of that. Um, so in the last six months, I've been in a huge recovery process. Well, about two weeks ago, on a Thursday afternoon, I was—I um, had my computer, not this one, a com- my Mac computer on the dining room table, and I was in the kitchen cooking, and someone sat down at the dining room table to eat lunch and actually knocked over their glass of lemonade, and it hit my computer. And like within two seconds, my Mac started flashing, and then it shut down. Well, that put me over the top. I had a complete breakdown because I hadn't backed up my computer for a year. So anything I'd done in the last year, if we couldn't retrieve the hard drive, the data, it was going to be gone. Well, I just had a meltdown. So Rich was there, my 18-year-old son Alex was there, and I, I, like, lost it. I had a complete breakdown. And all I wanted to do was get my Mac and get to the Apple store to see if they could fix it. So we rushed to the Apple store, get there, and you guys, if you've been in an Apple store, they greet you, and he looks at the little thing, and I'm sobbing. I have, to, I have to have the Genius Bar look at my computer and retrieve this data. There's so many things on there that if I lose, it will be horrific. And so I'm sobbing. So they punch us in and said, it'll be about two and a half hours before we can get you to the Genius Bar, an appointment. And so I literally sat down on a stool with my little computer <laughs> sobbing, and they went, wait, we can text you to come back. You don't have to wait here for two and a half. I said, I'm not moving. I can't. I'm, I'm going to stay here until I can find you. Know, I'm like just literally sobbing. So Rich came, and, and it was Rich that did it. I wasn't going to tell you that, but he's the one that spilled the lemonade, so he felt so bad. So he comes and sits next to me, and he knows like there's nothing he can really do to console me because really I think what was happening for me was the loss of my computer was just like the last straw of loss for me. Like All the accumulative loss just kind of came out in that moment. So I just sat there, and I could not stop sobbing, and I was trying to be very discreet, just... I just couldn't quit crying. And so he just held my hand and he knew better than to even try to talk to me. I think he was just held my hand and was silently praying in his prayer language for God to comfort me. So finally, after about 45 minutes, this young man comes and sits down next to me and he says, are you guys, are you guys waiting for something? And so we told him and he looks us up. He goes, oh yeah, you still have a really long wait. Well, you know what? 
let me see if I can help you. I have a few minutes right now. And so he ended up being so kind and so compassionate and basically sort of as an Apple employee took off his hat and said, I don't think you want to send this computer out because really they're not going to be able to retrieve the data and it's going to cost you like $800. So he was really kind. And then he said, I'm not supposed to tell you stories like this, but this same thing happened to my dad's computer. And what he did is he just unplugged it. He opened it up, took the back off, and let it just sit in the open air for about a month. And then he put it back together, plugged it in, and guess what? It rebooted and it started long enough that he could get all the data off of it. So he goes, I don't know if that will happen for you, but I just don't want you to spend $800 trying to retrieve this data. So next morning... We leave. The next morning, we come. I wake up to this email. The subject line from the Apple store is, how did Jesus do? Question mark. Then the email says, rate your genius bar experience at the Apple store. How did Jesus do? And so, <laughs> yes, the young man that sat down next to me, his name was Jesus. And I just thought, I mean, to wake up in the morning and have an email say, how did Jesus do? Write your Genius Bar experience at the Apple Store with Jesus. I just, Rich and I just both said, this is our life over and over and over again. Jesus just shows up for us in just the smallest ways to say, I see, I know, I'm here. And I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to recover the data, but there was just something so heartwarming for me that I know that Jesus sees me over and over again. He proves so faithful. And so um, God has a plan he, he's had a long-range plan, as we're going to see in this, and he invites every single one of us into it. And he's highly intentional about his plan, what's going on in the earth. So let's begin reading. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul. I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus. I love this special agent stuff. Don't you love that? Like, special agent, like... When I was in the hospital, somebody bought me this Apple watch. So it's like my Dick Tracy watch now, my iWatch. Like, I don't even really know how to use it. I just wear it because I get, I talk to it sometimes when people are calling. And anyway, I like that, that language, a special agent of Christ Jesus, a special agent of Christ Jesus. Okay, I just love every word in this, so I'm going to try to get through it. Writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the highest places of blessing in him. He takes us there, you guys. This is our inheritance. As followers of Jesus, this is what he does for us. He does lift us up to that 30,000-foot elevation to give us a very different perspective, the perspective from heaven of what God is doing in the earth. Because God knows if we just stay at this level and look at our circumstances, that can be quite depressing at times. So God takes us to the highest places of blessing in him. It's, it's kind of like when you fly into a city and if you have a window seat and you can kind of see the lay of the land and you get a perspective that you haven't seen any other way. And, and he has this plan. He, he's got this plan and us in mind. And I was thinking about some of our best plans can go a little bit awry. 
Last summer, Rich and I had the very, very privilege and honor of spending a month in Europe. I mean, just the trip of a lifetime that we got to take part in. And so one part of our trip, we were driving through France, from Italy to France, and we had GPS, and I was navigating, and we got lost so many times. I won't get into that. That's not the story. But we ended up spending a few days in Nice, in the south of France had the most wonderful time, and we wanted to see Monaco. So we drove to Monaco just for the day to like sort of go and see. And so when you drive into Monaco and in these countries, there's, in France, there's like these, what do you call them, switchback roads? Like they're just like really, and you're going, you're like on the edge of a cliff, like so high up and you're driving through. And I, of course, I, when, while we were there, I was reading the story of Princess Grace, some of you know Grace of Monaco, that she actually died in a car accident on those cliffs, you know, on one of those roads. So we were leaving Monaco, and we were going up, and the GPS always seemed to be just a second too late, so we were missing our turns, and, uh, and it was really hard to turn around. So we were on one of these switchback roads, and so Rich, like, swirls around, and I mean, he ha- we missed the turn, and so he's trying to get us back on track. And all of a sudden, the way that he was driving and the the way that the road was, I had this panic attack. And I said, we're going to die in Monaco. And it's like, (laughs) I like lost it. And he's like, Rose, stop it. We're not going to die. Just give me a minute. (laughs) This is our life. This is the way we live. I'm just giving you the insight into our marriage. And so... (laughs) So, um, and of course we didn't die because we're here today, but I, I, we had this plan, we had GPS, we had everything going right. And then all of a sudden, um, our, it, our kind of, our plan failed. We got off track, but you know what? We got back on track and we made it out alive and we're here today. So let's go on. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. This to me, this is so important that we get this, you guys, that we, the most powerful force in the universe, the God of all heaven and earth, the God of the cosmos, the God of intergalactic love, sees us, knows us, and he changes us. It's that power of the transforming love of this God, that that power is what changes us. That's what changes us. Now, we can all probably share stories of times in our lives where we were despairing or we've suffered a horrific failure, um, shame. Um, And what what this is telling us is that is not the actual story. Like, we're all going to experience these things. We are. But the truth is, that very pain, that very failure, that very thing that is going on in our lives is what God transforms in us in ways that we could never imagine as we bring those things to him, as we invite him into those places to make us whole and holy. So no matter if you've struggled with a drug addiction or a food addiction or f- issues with food or whatever, money, like you name it, the things that we struggle with in our weaknesses, what this is telling us is that when we encounter the transforming love of the this God of the cosmos who sees us and knows us and has his desires for us, that is what transforms us into the image of Jesus, if we will allow it. 
Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. What pleasure he took in planning this. And Paul Lee puts an exclamation point on it. Like he, It was pleasure to him to plan this whole thing that we're a part of. He wanted us to enter in to the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. This is our God. This is his plan. He's, it, it's been the long-range plan forever, and he invites every single one of us in to participate in this. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. God has provided everything we need for this journey He's thought through everything, you guys. Just like he, he's, he's, the most important thing is that he's thought through it all, and what he offers us is freedom, freedom from our, our struggles, freedom from the things that trip us up, freedom from the things that we get involved in that cause us to feel ashamed and guilty. Like He's thought of it all, and he's provided everything we need for this journey in Christ. And that's what he's, Paul goes into. It's in Christ that we find out who we are, and what we're living for. Now, when I had my heart failure, I literally almost died. I mean, I, I, can't, I had to look death square in the face because when I was in the hospital, the cardiologist didn't know if I would make it. I had to have a surgery. It wasn't open heart surgery because it was a different kind of heart failure that I had. Like literally half of my heart is gone. But the whole left upper and lower chamber of my heart is gone. So by the time I, they found that out, my heart was like 10%. And they said to me, it's a miracle that you're alive. I literally flew to Thailand, was there 10 days, came back and ended up in the hospital. And the, the doctor said, we have no idea how you survived that flight. You should be dead. You are a walking miracle. Um, when I was there, I, I, I had to face the fact that I could die. And so this, this was an interesting thing that happened to me. Every single night in the hospital, I was there for eight nights. I would fall asleep listening to worship music, and I was so powerless. I was so vulnerable. I was so, like, I couldn't fight for my life, really. I didn't want to die. I did not want to die. And people all over the, the country, were, probably the earth, were praying for me at that point. You know, prayers went out. But I came to grips with the fact that if I close my eyes and go to sleep, I might not walk up, wake up in this hospital. But if I do... If I don't wake up in this hospital, I know that I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. I knew it. I knew it. And I wasn't afraid to die. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to just cave. And, you know, it wasn't that thing where I'm giving up and just, because I, you know, I wasn't ready. I didn't want to go. But there's something very peaceful that happened to me through that situation where, like Paul, I was able to say, death, where is your sting? 
Where is your sting? Because if I don't wake up in this hospital, I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus, and it's going to be, and I'm going to be in the fullness of joy. And so there was something that changed me by going through that experience about the way that I view life, the way that I, I um, view Jesus. And, and the thing that I would say is that it's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. And for me, since that, clearly I've survived. Two months out, coming out of the hospital, I had to resign my church because I, I, I'm not able to pastor full-time anymore because it would put too much stress on my heart. But young church planners don't. I think it's a good calling, really. <laughs> um, but the thing about it is, what I've learned is that if every bit of ministry went away, if, if, if I were so disabled that everything went away, and thank the Lord it didn't, that I still get to be the regional leader for the time being anyway. Um, I still get to teach in a seminary one class course a year. Like those, I got to do that. But if everything went away, what I learned is my identity in Christ is not about my role. It's not about my ministry. I mean, resigning the church was a huge, gigantic loss for me. But, I mean, here I am six months later, and I kind of like my life. I like going to bed not filled with anxiety about if there's going to be enough money. You know, I'm just going to be honest about that. Like, But if everything went away, what I know is my identity is in Christ, not in what I do, not in my role, not in my position. It is absolute. My identity, what I learned through this, is that I'm a child of God. And I did look fear in the face. I love that that song that you sang this morning about you came. I just sat and cried because that's my story. I thought I was going to die. And he came. And he raised me from the grave. And he, I, I, he turned my fear into faith. Like, I don't know how many days I have left on this earth. But, man, I am so full of faith for the things of God. I am so full of faith to see God's intention and plan for our region to come about. I'm so full of faith to see young people go plant churches. I'm so full of faith for this church and to come back in a year or two and see the Spanish-speaking people that are going to be. Like, I am full of faith because when you come that close to death— and you look it in the eyes and Jesus meets you, I don't know what to tell you, but my, I know that it's in Christ that I found out who I was and what I'm living for, what, what I will give the rest of my days. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. He is working out his plan in everything and everyone. So hear me, because he's not just working it out in Christians. He's working it out in everything and everyone. So we are the vineyard. We have this saying that we do, we bless what the Father is doing. So we have to open our eyes. We have to be the discerning people where we, wherever we are, in the places that we work, the places that we live, the places that we play, we need to be discerning. What is the Spirit of God doing right now? What's the Spirit of God doing with my neighbor? What's the Spirit of God doing with my kids' friends? What's the, we need to be a discerning people because God is working out his purposes in everything and everyone. And I, yeah, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> it's in Christ that you once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, 
signed, sealed, and delivered, as Stevie Wonder would tell us, delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God is the very first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. This is a reminder. What's happening right now is preparing us for the future, for eternity. And as kingdom people, what we believe is that future has already invaded this present time. It's, it, it's not here in its fullness, but it is here. And so we have the first installment of what's coming. So what we have to do is keep our eyes on what's coming. This thing is going somewhere. There is a target. Human history at some day is going to reach that target, and then we're going to be ushered into eternity forever where everything has been made right. Everything. There's no more death. There's no more dying. There's no more sickness. There's no more addiction. There's no more exploitation. There's, it's all going to be done. And so our, what we've been invited into is to participate with God right now in that future here in the present. So we have to be discerning. We have to not give up. We have to not give in to the circumstances that tell us, isn't everything horrible? Well, everything might be horrible, but we're pe- people of the future. We know what the future is. We know what the, the, um, the future holds. And we're supposed to be inviting that future and watching for it, watching for it. The kingdom is breaking out all around us. In the work that you do, feeding the poor. In the work that you do, praying for people, for healing. In the work that you all do. I love your, your tagline, blessed to be a blessing, because that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. We are to be people of the future that bring that future blessing into the now for people to give them hope, to to do exactly what this is saying, inviting them into this plan, this glorious plan that God has for all of us. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him endless energy, boundless strength. We need to be a praying people, discerning our times. We need to pray. We need to ask for discernment. We need to see what it is that God is doing. Our eyes need to be focused and clear, watching where the Spirit is at work and joining God there. And when we do that, even with half a heart, I feel I I I have endless energy, boundless strength. Now I have to rest and reboot it to get it back <laughs> more than I used to. But this is what we're called into. God is on the move. This is a letter to the church telling us: Look, be a praying people. Pray for discernment. Pray that God opens your eyes to see the kingdom all around you because it is happening. God is on the move. All this energy, by the way, issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name, no power exempt from his rule. 
And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. If this does not bring you comfort today, in the midst of the most divisive election season we have ever had, I don't know what will. Because this is what we have to remember. I don't, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I don't care who wins the election. (laughs) But here's what I will tell you. Jesus is the president of the universe. Jesus is the CEO of the cosmos. So whoever wins this election, it's not over. It's not, it, our future does not depend on who wins this election because our future has been determined in what Christ did, in his incarnation, in his life, in his ministry, how he modeled us to be truly human beings by what his example, his role model. So whatever happens, and I love that you're praying to heal our land because we need to do that. This is the church's, this is the church's mandate, is to be peacemakers, to be reconcilers. We are called to have the ministry of reconciliation, so I love that you are doing that. But at the end of the day, God is not going to ab- abandon his plan because Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton is the president of the United States. It's not. That's why every once in a while we just need to be pulled up to this 30,000-foot perspective, you guys, because it's too easy to get bogged down in what's just here on this level. We have to see things from heaven's perspective. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. This is so important. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. And I got to end. I got to land this plane right now. People need to know this. People need to know this. All around you, all around us, there are people that are desperate for hope. There are people that are desperate for what is true. There are people that are desperate for peace. Peace. We're surrounded by people in all of our lives that need a message of hope, of peace. And we carry that message. We carry the message of eternity, not what happens day to day in the United States of America. Like it's, people are desperate. We live in times where I do believe I absolutely believe, especially in our region, in the northwest corner of North America, that the Spirit of God is up to something, up to something, because people are desperate. And we carry a message of hope. We carry the message of truth. We know who is true. We know who is king of the universe. We, we need to be praying for people. We need to be doing all the things that you guys are doing. But I just want to ask that we would begin to just be on our knees praying and praying and praying that every single one of us would take up this mandate of praying for discernment for our time. What does it mean for us to be faithful in our time right here in Beaverton, Oregon. What does it mean? And I think you all are on that track. And I'm, I'm so excited to see what God is going to do because we, you know, we, we can talk about the nuns and the duns and people that are hemorrhaging out of the church, but you know what else is true? There is a whole generation of people that are post-post-Christian. 
They, don't, they would never even really heard the gospel. They, they've never really even heard. And, and those, I'm telling you, that is low-hanging fruit. That is low-hanging fruit for the gospel because they don't come with all the, I hate the church and the church did this, which, you know, there's, we got to reach out to those people too. But there is a whole generation of people that have never really even heard the gospel. The United States has become a mission field. I got I to gotta stop. It's 20 minutes till. So what do you want to do, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to just wrap it. Uh, Sorry. That's a, no, 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 that was not your fault. Okay. That's a great word for us. Okay. That's a great word for us. And, it, and it's a word in time, word in season. So I'm just going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to close in prayer. We probably need uh, one parent or another to go rescue the children's ministry people with ASAP. But Father, thank you so much for today, for your spirit, your presence here. All that you're doing, Lord, in our world, in our region, and in our community, we say yes and amen. Would you grant us the grace to really see deeply into what your hand is about today. Yes. And enter into that and to participate yes. 100% with you. Help us, Lord, to reach the Hispanic community. Help yes. Help us to reach the lost and lonely. Help us to reach the broken and the needy and the hungry yes. in our community. Uh, we, yes. we love you, we thank you, yes. we honor you, we worship you with yes. all we have. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Can I say one more thing? I just have to say something about this worship. I do. You guys, you are digging a very deep well with your worship. You're, you're digging a deep, deep well. So please keep digging that well. Because it, you're digging a deep well. That's all I need to say. That, that is going to be so much water for people that are thirsty. So keep doing it.